start with verse 17 and then we're going to jump to verse 27. He says, this is Jeremiah talking, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out your arm and there is nothing, there is nothing too hard for you. Now look at verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, your God of all flesh, God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you for your anointing. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you for all that you've done for us, bringing us together tonight. God, we thank you for the worship that we experienced where we lifted you up, and we thank you for your blood, Jesus, that washes us. We just give you praise for going to the cross. We give you thank you, God, so much. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanks. Help us tonight to focus on your word. God, I pray that you remove every distraction, God, and help us just to hear what you have to say, that we leave, God, so much better than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at two different parts of this. 32, 17, go, go there if you can. It says, this is Jeremiah talking. And he says, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and stretched out your arm. And he says, and there is nothing too hard for you. Now I want you to see this. Ten, <laughs> this is probably the worst uh, night of my life so far. I'm about to really just close it down. There's a terrible echo somewhere. Anybody? You got it? You guys in the sound booth, you're cooking my grits tonight. Uh, ver look at this. Go 10 more, 10 more verses to verse 27. So he says, Jeremiah says, there's nothing too hard for God. He's on the top of the mountain. He's like, God, you created everything. I don't care what comes our way. You're the best. 10 verses later, God has to come to him and say, hey, I got a question for you. Where is the guy that was boasting that there's nothing too hard for me? The guy that I'm having to remind, hey, there's nothing too hard for me. Do we ever experience that in our own lives? I, I was, as we were talking this week, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to turn it down just a little bit, man. I will get there, I promise. So I'm glad this is not live streaming or not. I'm praising God for that. Uh, thank God. So <laughs> I love stick. Um, he's giving me the Napoleon Dynamite bird. That's our signal that it's working. So uh, if, if you don't know what that is, we'll, we'll show you later. Um, so, so as I was studying this week and God began to drop this on my heart, I think about a lot of us and a lot of our lives. So one moment he's boasting in God. Red, Red said that he's, God's led him to start speaking on faith. You guys, did you enjoy Sunday? I don't know about you, but it made me realize that we are so quick to say God forgave us. God wiped it all away. Far as from the east is from the west. And the first time we have a sniffle, all of a sudden, all that faith just goes right out the door. It's connected together. And so God began to speak to me about, hey, we're going to just keep driving this home. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So what happens when you leave here on Sunday, like verse 17, and you leave here and you're like, yeah. Pastor Red was right. Yes, there's nothing too hard for God. How could I ever doubt you, God? I love you. I got caught in the altar and the worship was perfect. Everything was great. And then you wake up Monday morning and everything doesn't go right. Y'all are all looking at me like everybody just walked in faith this whole week. Y'all a bunch of liars. God wouldn't have given me this. Everything doesn't go right. And all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, is this really, like, I don't feel this. Well, Jeremiah, by the way, he was just told that God was going to free Israel and make them their own nation, and he was going to set them free, give them all this land. He told him it's going to be so good, go ahead and buy all the land you want to, because it's going to be so valuable. And he's sitting there going, all that happens was captivity. So he's seeing something with his eyes. Didn't we talk about that? We walk by faith and not by sight. He's seeing the land in bondage. Maybe you're looking tonight in your situation and you're seeing bondage. When I begin to study this, I begin to think about it. There's a lot of people that come in church and sit in church. They're in 100% bondage. They've given up on God completely. They got saved. They got set free. They got sanctified. But all of a sudden, somewhere in their life, Oh, I know where I am. All of a sudden, they picked up some weight, the Bible says, and some sin that so easily beset them. And all of a sudden, they begin to struggle with that sin, and they lost grip on God. They lost sight of the God that set them free when he saved them is the same God that can free them then and now. If you're here tonight, my question to you is, is there anything too hard for God? Are you battling a sin tonight that God can't free you from? Is there anything in your life right now that God can't do? Don't just say, oh yeah, we know it. No, no, express it, live it, activate your faith. Begin to talk to God. I know there's nothing you can't do. If you've got lost loved ones, have you quit on them? We're good sometimes when we hear a sermon about the lost and we hear about the eternal hell and we hear about, listen, it's sad to me lately that we don't hear even about hell anymore. I listen to YouTube videos all the time. I don't hear preachers saying, hey, there's a hell. I don't hear it. Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. Paul said, I know the terror of the Lord. I persuade men with it. So what does that mean if people aren't hearing about hell? It means that they can sit on pews and enjoy good worship and good fluffy stuff, and they never embrace, hey, it's not about you making it. The reason we have to work quick and the reason we have to be on our P's and Q's is because all, everybody that you know that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is kind of scary. If you read it, there was a guy that said, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, we did all this stuff in your name. And he looks at him and says, I've never, I never knew you. And the English translation there is a terrible translation because the, what it really says is, He's like, I don't know you anymore. As in, I don't know you the way Adam knew Eve to make life. There's got to be an intimacy. He was saying, hey, we were used to be close, but you lost it. There was used to be a closeness in our life, but now you don't pray anymore. Now you don't read anymore. Now, now you don't tell people about me anymore. What happened? A lot of people in the pews just think, well, my prayer life's gone. I don't pray like I used to. Oh, well. God's asking you tonight, is there anything too hard for me? Can you not leave here tonight fully baptized back with the spirit of love and prayer? What a wonderful encounter when the church of Jesus Christ begins to pray again. It's not just the minister's job to pray. Amen? When, when, the, when the prayer gets into the, pool, the pews, as one man said, that's when revivals hit a church. We've got to all begin to seek God. Nothing's too hard for him. We, I mean, Pastor Red said, we're going to be here a while. It's because all of us need to examine ourselves and see if we're really walking in true faith. 
like biblical faith. It's not just for acts. He, God really wants to save you and your household. Every cousin, every auntie, every, everybody you've got in your life, God wants to save them, set them free, fill them with his Holy Spirit, and set the whole family on fire. If you don't expect that, then you're telling God there's something too hard for you. You don't know how bad they are. You don't know how big God is. Some people have forgotten how bad they were. They've been saved so long, they forgot what he cleaned them up from. I know some of you, you probably used to be the heathen in your whole city. People say, look at that heathen. They'd, they'd lock the doors when you came by. I know some of those guys. And now they're like, man, they're so full of love. That couldn't be them. Yeah, that's Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Why, why is it for us but not for everybody? I, I want to hit back on this really quick. If you don't think spiritual warfare is real, I fault everything in the world to get here today with this message. I could tell you long stories. And then, as you could tell when we tried to start, getting the plane off the ground has been a trouble. I mean, kids are over here, just I don't know what they're doing. They're dying over here, nursery workers are running, nothing's working. It's a distraction because their soul's in that balance. You came here tonight and God wanted me to tell you, you have to believe again. Stop just going through dead prayers. Stop it. Stop going, well, I pray, God, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 there's nothing impossible for him. Expect it. When you pray, believe it. Get back to the place where you move God. You know that he's moved by us. You don't think Riley can move me? Her eyes alone move me. Her one alone moves me. When we turn our heart to God and start to seek him, believing that there's nothing impossible for him, it'll move him. I'm tired of seeing people come in here and they're carrying burdens and they're, they're holding them, their self. It might be an unsaved spouse. It might be a problem at work. Listen, there's nothing too hard for him. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. That's not just something we put on a refrigerator magnet. That's the power of the gospel and Abba Father that we serve. He cares. Believe him for it. You need a better job? Ask him for it. Well, I don't know if I qualify. You never will qualify. Jesus Christ qualified for it all. The whole book of Galatians, I am blessed with the blessing of Abraham, not because of anything I've done, because Jesus Christ. I am now ushered in. I've been engrafted into a holy vine. People are scared to preach money now. Listen to me. You can't reach people without money. God's never planned on his people not to be blessed. Third John, one of the shortest books in the Bible, he says, I want you to bless, be blessed, and prosper even as your soul prospers. If you can handle it. Some of y'all, he's never going to give you any money because you would be on vacations and you'd never be in church and you'd have the newest truck and the newest toys and you would never help anybody. You'll never have any money. I know you don't like that, but it's just right there. Well, they won $200,000. You wouldn't see them for three months. They're in Tahiti and they're all these places. No, it didn't work that way. He puts it in our hand. So we can give. It's, it's the Father's good. I, I remember one time, this, this girl, um, I actually saw her today. How weird is that? 
she really helped me. Some of y'all know her. Her name's Sonia Hallmark. She's a good friend of mine. Grew up with her since I was born. We were in the same nursery at, at birth. Great friend of mine. She wanted a camera one time. I'll never forget it. And she was, she was like, I, I feel kind of weird asking for this camera. Like, uh, maybe I should be giving it and stuff like this. And she's always been a giver. As long as I've known her, she, she'd give you the shirt off her back. And she said this guy walked up to the dentist's office one time. She was a hygienist back then. She wasn't even a dentist. And he gave her a brand new camera just like that. He said, you know, I bought it. I used it a couple times. I don't think photography is my thing. I want to give it to you. And she said, you know, God was teaching me something right there. That as long as I'll always honor him, he doesn't mind letting me know he loves me. He doesn't mind giving me good things. Because he knows those good things will never come in between me and him. So let me, I'm going to get back to my point, but I want to I make a point here. One of the first, ser- the first sermon I ever preached, that got first time the Bible just came alive to me when I was called to preach, was I was reading through the Bible and I got to Exodus, and they made a golden calf. And the Lord asked me, where did slaves get gold? I was like, whoa. I never thought about that. That's how you know. We're just foolish preachers. It's his, the wisdom comes from him. I was like, I had never thought about where did Hebrew slaves for hundreds of years get all the gold? I went and read it. The Bible says he spoiled the Egyptians and God gave them all that. They took the very gift of God and made an idol out of it. We gotta be careful. When God begins to bless us, it can't become our idol. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm, I'm here. You gotta be careful when he begins to bless you. The American dream, the good life, it cannot keep you from him. You can't make an idol out of what he's blessed you with. Okay, that was free, not in the notes. So stay there. Back back to this, go to Genesis. I'm gonna make, I think it's 18. It says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore, and I'm picking up in the middle of the story and I'll figure it out, we'll get there. It says, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At that time of appointed, I will return unto you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So let me, let me set the stage what happens. Three men show up and it says the Lord. Now listen. I might, I don't want to ever, when I'm preaching, I don't want to ever, some things are meant for Sunday school. Some things are meant to dive deep, and some things, you don't want to go too deep and trip people out and they miss the topic. But I'm going to venture a little deep here, okay? So the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And without Him, nothing was made that was made, right? Well, who is that standing talking to Abraham? It was the Word. It was this very Son of God, Jesus. He's always been. In the beginning was the Word. He's always been here. When he came in the book of Matthew, he came as the Lamb of God. John said, now behold the Lamb. you got to interpret it by Scripture. So he stands before Abraham, and Sarah's inside the tent. Now this is a good time to talk about nosy people, but I'm not going to. So she's out there listening. She's inside the tent listening. A lot of you would be, not be in the trouble you're in if you quit listening to stuff that ain't none of your business. Quit scrolling and stalking people on their Facebook pages. Don't care about all that. You get caught up in all this garbage. The devil will trip you up with the goofiest stuff. She's at the tent door, 
And Jesus says to Abraham, he says, hey, you're going to have a, a child. Abraham's in his 90s. So is Sarah. That doesn't usually work. I don't know if you know that or not. But just quick anatomy lesson, that doesn't usually happen. She laughed at it. She didn't laugh out loud. She laughed within herself. She thought, I'm an old lady. It's not happening. Go read it. It's, it's awesome. She has a dialogue with herself. There's, am I going to have pleasure in my old life? That's what she said. No way I'm going to have a son. And Jesus looks at Abraham and says, why is she laughing? There's nothing too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for God, actually, which tells you it's Jesus, but we won't go there. There's nothing too hard for God. Some of you, God has spoken promises to you. Be careful not to laugh at it. Don't, don't forget the promise he spoke to you. Don't forget that time. Listen, I, I used to preach to students where God would speak to them at youth camp and begin to call them and call them out and they would get busy with their life and they would kind of forget that calling or think I've missed it. You've never missed the calling. The calling of God was about repentance. Maybe God's called you to be something in this church and it's not happening, so you've just thrown it away. No, no, no. Is anything too hard for God? He can flip the script overnight. Think about what would happen if this group of people, myself included, tomorrow and through Sunday would begin to pray to God knowing there's nothing impossible for him. It would change the, the whole Gardendale. We would absolutely pray with power and weight. That's what Pastor Red is, keeps preaching to us. Hey, you got to get faith. You got to believe when you pray. What are you believing? You're believing that nothing I'm asking is too hard for God. I don't care what it looks like. Keep praying. R.A. Torrey, one of the great evangelists, he prayed for two men in his neighborhood for 43 years. Two weeks before he died in his old age, both of those men came to know the Lord, and then he passed away. One of the coolest things ever. God was here in every time. Nothing was impossible for God. Just to let you know what kind of relationship God wants with us, he saved those two guys two weeks before he brought him home. He wanted to let him know, I heard you. Some of you have been praying for stuff. Why'd you stop? Well, it looks terrible. It looks like it's not going to work. Is anything impossible for God? I, I want to show you a little something, and you're going to be like, how does this tie in? Just give me a second. Go, go to my last scripture. I think it's John 2. It's, it says, in the third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So listen, this is King James so it says, and they were called to the, and his disciples to the marriage. In the translation I read, and if you break that down, it says both he and his disciples were invited. I forgot to tell JT what translation I wanted because I usually preach from the King James. But it says both Jesus and his disciples were invited. Well, what story is this? The first miracle Jesus ever did. He turned water into wine at a wedding. I want you, as I close tonight, nothing's too impossible for God but what do we have to do? That wedding would have never been saved. They would have been embarrassed. They would have ran out of wine. They had to invite him. You can put that down, but you have to invite him. You have to invite him back into the situation. He will never heal or do anything for you until you invite him. 
If your prayer life is dead, the only person that can get your prayer life back is you because you have to invite him back to the situation. Nothing's too hard for him. If you've got lost loved ones, how does it work? You gotta invite him back into it. If there's situations in your marriage, listen, marital problems are so rampant in the house of God and we're so good at fooling and faking and smiling. Listen, invite him back into your marriage. He can't turn the water into wine if he's not invited. How do you invite him? Through prayer. If you've got a problem at work, invite him back into the problem. Coworkers get at each other all the time. Why? Because they're around each other more than even families around each other. We spend more time sometimes with coworkers and things happen. Invite him back. Invite him back. Invite him into it. How many things does Jesus, how do I know that he's not invited sometimes? Because in the book of Revelation, he says this, and everybody knows it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will let me in, sounds like he isn't invited. You want to get back on fire? Invite him back in. You want your worship to go to the next level? Listen, I, I don't want us to ever be stagnant. At this church, Seven Mile Ministry, we should always be pressing for deeper worship. Why? Because we want more goosebumps? Or we, no, because he's more worthy. Because we should always be lifting up the name of Jesus. Because we should always be going to the next level. How do we get our worship where God wants it? Invite him into it. How do we get our home lofts where we need it? Invite him back in the house. If he's outside knocking at the last day church, that's us. We are the last day church. That sounds like they've decided we've got it our way, we've got it figured out, and that's what happens when we forget that nothing's impossible with him. We begin to come to our own conclusions. I'll work it this way. Our cleverness will never work. I'll, I'll do it this way. The, the church in America is filled with clever. They've got it figured out. Here's what we'll do. We'll go after this demographic because after all, if you get this demographic right here, they have the kids and the teenagers. They're making the most of the money. So if I get this group right here, I can grow all my other ministries and it's all cleverness. And God's on the outside going, can I even come in? Couldn't you let me in? This whole week since he's been showing me this, every time I have a problem, I'm saying, okay, God, I'm not figuring it out. I'm inviting you into this problem. I'm inviting you into this. I don't know how to figure this out. How many things did we do this week that we didn't even ask him? We just said, no, nah, if you'll go stand outside, I got it. Now, when I need you, though, stay, stay close. I saw one of the, one of the relationships in my life that was so close that got strained weird, strained. I saw this week I invited him, I saw it heal like this. He told me when to make the phone call because I invited him in. He told me what to say because I invited him in. And it healed like that. I mean, it healed so fast, boom, done. Riley hadn't been sleeping this week. She'd been sleeping so good, it's wearing me out. It's cutting into my prayer time. I said, God, she's yours. I gave her to you. Pastor Red dedicated her to you. She's yours. Put her to sleep. She's distracting me from you. I'm, I'm inviting you to this situation. How many things does he want to be a part of that we just say, oh, well, what you do is just give her Benadryl or Tylenol. I hope you don't do that, but I hope you're tempted to do that. 
You know how many times I asked Bethany a week, is it okay just to get, what if we just did it once? Like, what if we just gave her Tylenol one night? It would be so amazing. But um, hopefully this is not going on any social media platform. Uh, DHR is going to be showing up in my house. It's just a joke. I mean, no, I really have thought it, but I haven't done it, so it's just a joke. But I just invited him into it. You know what? She slept great last night. I was like, no, come, come. I'm not, I'm not going to fool this. I started to notice that my love for the word was not where it needs to be. And if you've ever taught or preached, there's a huge temptation because you know that America has preaching performance-based. Everybody in here, whether you realize it or not, you're judging me and giving me a, rec- a number right now. You did it to Red Sunday, and you do it to preachers, and they feel it, and they sense it. And they tell you when you do a real good job, and then they just walk by you when you do a bad job. And you get old enough into it where you don't care anymore, and you're doing it for him. But there's this feeling of pressure of performance. And, and you can feel it come on you. And, and, you get to, and so what you do is you begin to read the Bible because all of us are living lives, and all of us are doing stuff. And all of us have got things going on that are preachers. You begin to read that Bible not to love the word and to grow in it and meditate on it. You begin to pick it up and say, I need a word because they're going to judge what I say. It needs to be snazzy. It needs to be hip. It needs to have like all these points. I need to have people swinging from the chandeliers because, I mean, if we don't bring it, they're not going to show up. There's a pressure. And you begin to read that word for cool little phrases and cool little, and you, you say, well, that sounds weird. No, you should, I'll let you preach the next three Wednesdays. You'll feel the pressure. And I don't feel it anymore, but you begin to read for the wrong reason. And so I just invited him back into my Bible, Tom. I'm getting older, so I went on Amazon. I got me an extra large print Bible, leather. I felt like such an old guy. I was like, God, I can't read that regular writing anymore. I got to get me the big print, like the giant print. It's like extra large for real print. And I was like, this is going to be my love Bible. This is going to be my Bible where me and the Lord read and I connect. I'm not going to study for sermons. I'm just going to read. Just going to let him talk to me. Just let him love. And I invited him into it. If, If you're having trouble praying or reading or worshiping, listen, a lot of people don't worship because they don't even know how to worship. If you don't understand that raising your hands, clapping your hands and shouting and leaping, that's all part of worship. They did that in the Old Testament. What should we be doing now? He'll help you worship. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit, when I was like 12, began to deal with me about lifting up my hands. I had all my my friends around. I had this girl I liked over there. She sure wasn't into it. Why did I like the girl that wasn't into God? I don't know. There's something weird about humans that do that. Sid's laughing because he grew up in youth group. And I was like, God's telling me, hey, you got to lift your hand. And I was like, lift my hands. Like, people are around. Like, lift my hands. So, you know, you did the whole, like, it, it takes time is what I'm saying. Some of you might not be comfortable lifting your hands. I almost get distracted. Sometimes she's not in here. I love to watch my wife worship. She's tenacious after God. And it, it overflows on me. I, I tonight walked in here, just felt kind of heavy or something. You could kind of see how we started. But she began to press in during worship, and I could feel the liberty coming. 
right? Maybe your worship's not where it needs to be. Invite him into your worship. He'll teach you how. He walked me through it. I remember the first time God called me to lay hands on somebody. And they came up for prayer, and I was like, they're like, can you pray with me? I was like, Lord, who am I to put my hand on somebody's head? Like, wow, I mean, I'm a nobody. He had to give me some boldness. I had to invite him into that. He walked me through the process. Does this make any sense? He could have never done the marriage. Listen, the coolest thing about the water into wine and the marriage, if you wonder what Jesus is really about, go read his first miracle. It'll break you. He cares so much about our everyday life. He didn't do his first miracle in the temple. That's our Jesus. He said, I would never want this couple to be embarrassed. I want to celebrate their life. I don't ever want them to be have shame. I, I'll come and I'll bail them out. When you read it, you're like, I think the churches have preached and told the world there's this Jesus that is all this stuff that he's not in the scriptures. He, that's why that song in the garden is my favorite hymn because it's so about today. He walks with me. He talks with me. He cares. He cares about every little thing in my life. If you're single, he is only focused right now on your spouse. They will wreck you or they will make you. He is interested in who you marry. He cares so much about it. He cares more about it than you do. Because you're like, where, where is she, Lord? I've been praying for three years. He's like, I got to get you ready, son. You're wanting her, but I can't punish her with you. I got to sp spiff you into shape. You do know guys mature way slower than girls, right? Guys have to go through a little training. A lot of training. A lot of training. If you're single tonight, it just kept coming to me when I was preaching tonight. I didn't say it. He cares. Nothing's too hard for him. He's got the right girl out there for you. He's got the right guy out there for you. Invite him into it. If you're single, invite him in your singleness. He'll keep you. The devil does, wants to do nothing but yoke you up to the wrong one. I'm going to tell this story and then I'm going to close. I'm trying to see what time it is. Oh, man, perfect. I'll get done early. We'll land the plane. I have no idea who this is for, but a couple Sundays ago I preached. I felt like I bombed big time. And after the service, pastor came up to me and told me something I didn't know, and God showed me, if you'll obey me, I don't care what you feel. Just keep obeying me. There's people that need to hear it. So I'm going to tell you this story because I felt it. So when I gave my life to to Jesus when I was 19, came back to him, and he set me on fire. And some of you, this story's not gonna, you're not gonna need it, but just bear with me, because somebody does. I gave my life back to Jesus, and I was on fire, man. I'm talking about, I was fasting at one point, and you can tell I'm not there now, so I'm not bragging. I was fasting four or five days, like just water, and I was eating two days, and I was seeking him so hard. I would lay in my 
room. He was, it was grace. It wasn't me. There was a grace. I would lay in my room in the floor, and I would pray in the spirit until 3 or 4 in the morning and get up and work a full day, and I wasn't even tired. I felt like I was on cloud nine. And all of a sudden, I was at church, and this young thing came walking in. A little mini skirt, wasn't even dressed godly. She came walking right down the center aisle and sat down across from me. And my eyes were like, whoa, whoa. Hadn't been dating, I left that part out. Hadn't, I didn't date for over a year. And you know, Red knows some people that knew me back, back in high school. I always had girls around me. I was obsessed with girls and I'm back, back in those days. God set me free from all that when he saved me. But I went 10 months without a girl and this girl comes walking in. Well, I, I asked her on a date that Sunday. Yes, I moved that fast. I went straight to her and was like, hey, we're gonna go eat. I didn't even ask her, I told her. And she said, yes. And I, I run out of nose spray or something. I think it was sinus spray. So before we go on our date, I go by CVS and this, this man comes out of nowhere and walks up to me and says, son, I gotta tell you something. And I was like, okay, okay. He said, if the devil can't draw your heart away from God, he'll put a young lady beside you and he'll slowly drag your heart from God. So, I, you know, you're probably thinking now I called her and broke it off. I was like, oh, cool, that's a cool story. And I went out and got in my car. Dumb, so dumb. I was so young and dumb. And I'm telling you, I hadn't thought about this story in forever, and I know it's for somebody. I get in my car. We start dating. Oh, gosh, my heart did get, I got cold. I did get away from God. Bought her a ring to get engaged. And God miraculously intervened, thank God, for his mercy. My mama, I was down at the altar one night trying to come back to God, and I felt somebody have my feet, like I was kneeling like this, and they were behind me holding my feet, and I was like, what is going on? Who's grabbing my feet? You know, sometimes in Pentecostal churches, weird things happen, so I was like, oh man, this is gonna be bad. And I turned around and my feet were covered with tears and it was my mama. And she was praying to God and said, don't let his feet leave the path. No matter what happens, keep him, God. I committed him, keep him. And I broke up with her and my heart was ripped out. And I'll never forget, I was crying in my car. A girl made me cry, I can't believe that, it's never happened. She made me cry. And I said, Lord, you didn't even tell me. You didn't even care, you didn't send me any warning. Where were you, God? And he reminded me of that man in CVS. And he reminded me of all the times in worship service that he dealt with me and I refused to listen. He reminded me. I don't know why I'm telling that story, but I'm telling you, you be careful who comes in your life, who you let in your life. Be careful. Because I know a lot of people that their story's not mine. That they let that person turn their heart and they have nothing but a horror story to answer to. They have brokenness. They have ruin. If you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. If, if the devil, listen, invite the Lord into your singleness. 
Invite him. Invite him to help you. Invite him to keep you. Everybody here that's married, we should be holding up every single person in our church. They're battling. They're battling. Don't forget what the struggle was like. I didn't meet Bethany until I was late in age. Struggle bus. I almost ruined it with a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> True story. Uh, you, you got to listen to me. I know I made a joke. I make jokes at the worst time every time I preach. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm telling you, as sure as one time I was preaching and the Lord told me something and I, I, gave the, I, gave, I said what he told me and some people, a mom and a son came to me and said, my son was going through everything you just said and I was sure God was talking. I'm that sure right now. Somebody here, either somebody's listening, I don't know where it is. You're about to get in the wrong relationship. I mean, y'all know I've been here since October. Y'all know I don't preach like this. Be careful. Be careful. If you're already in that wrong relationship, invite him in. He'll help you ruin it. He'll help you, not ruin it, but he'll help you get rid of it. (laughs) Ruin it might need to be what happens before you get ruined. Red kind of looked at me like, yeah, you said that right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with ruin it. Amen. So now for the rest of us, invite him in. This week, invite him. Invite him to your life. Invite him to every situation. If you've got a problem, invite him in. And he's asking you, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything? Anything? We all say no, but man, are we living like that? I'm excited for Sunday. I, w- I want to hear. I, I need to keep hearing faith. I've got six minutes, but I'm only going to take one, I promise. There's a parable that you need to read, I'm telling you. When he was preaching Sunday, God brought it to my heart. Jesus is talking about the last days, and he asked a question that he doesn't answer. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Question mark, he doesn't answer. Now, if you know me, I can't stand stuff like that. Like the book of Jonah bothers me because you don't know what happened to Jonah. It just ends. I'm like, tell us what happened to Jonah. But Jesus just asked that question. And as he was preaching, that's letting us know we're getting ready for him to come back. And Jesus saw it and he was like, I'm looking and I'm wondering, are there gonna, is there going to be any faith left? I'll tell you what I've seen. It took one little Virus, I almost said fake virus. It's not a fake virus. I'll take that back. One little virus that was told it was all this stuff that now they've backed out that it wasn't. One virus. And it has shaken the faith of so many. It has proven so many faithless. Didn't he say that if you don't practice the words, hear them and do them, When the flood comes, you're going to find out your house was built. It was just phony religion. I want everybody in here to invite God to build your house. Worse than what we've seen is coming. In the last days, perilous times shall come. If you're going to stand, you're going to have to be built on the rock. Invite him in. 
Invite him in. Invite him into your schedule. That's, I mean, this is so elementary, but we're missing it. Why would God have to tell? We're a faith church. Why would he have to tell our senior pastor, you got to get him for six weeks? Since I've been here, he has not shared the sheep but one time, and it was a couple of weeks ago, and he basically got up to us, and it brought courage to us. And I told Bethany, I said, he rebuked us in love today, and we needed it. He basically said, you were all afraid. Put your faith back in him. We all needed it. It's like we needed a reset. Stop listening to the media. I deleted my Facebook account this week. It has been amazing. I don't know anything going on. I don't care what's going on. <laughs> it's amazing. It's liberating. I'm not saying I'm not going to pick it back up at some time, but I don't need all that right now. We, we need to have our faith. Invite him back in. Amen? Everybody stand. telling you when he showed me that that it says in Jesus and his disciples were invited and then it jumped off the page 